Here we go, broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, on Rock Radio UK, the Blues Channel, you are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I've got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is Lisa Bialis. She's got a brand new Christmas release, and we'll be listening to tracks from that at the top of the hour. And of course, don't forget that interview. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, podcasts, and so much more. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love, and some great new artists I can't wait to introduce you to. And of course, I aim to misbehave.
on the back, back road
feeling about this.
just playing the blues, Dad.
moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
life is short Talk is cheap Don't go making promises You can't keep Like the song I'm singing Grin and bear it All I can say is If the shoe fits Working overtime Till your pie hole is on the big clock Put out! in a smoke-filled nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV, in commercials, or as theme songs, you will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood.
the soul of a man I'm going to ask the question Answer if you can If anybody tell me the soul of a man Won't somebody tell me Answer if you can Somebody tell me what is the soul of a man I travel different countries, travel through foreign lands I found nobody, tell me the soul of a man soul of a man I ask my doctor what is the soul of a man and he tell me a man ain't nothing but his mind won't somebody tell me what is the soul of a man Answer if you can I said I read the Bible often And I try to read it right As far as I can tell Ain't nothing but a burning light Won't somebody tell me if you can Won't somebody tell me What is the soul of a man When Christ sat in the temple The people all stood amazed Was teaching all the doctors and lawyers How to raise a man from the grave Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. 
makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Lisa Bialis. This is her Christmas release, and stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. How do I get in the mood to sing a holiday song in September? Oh, it's gotta be a lonely one. Cause I'm heading to L.A. to make a Christmas record You wiggled your way back into my heart from a place where you once left it Then you did it again, the same very thing Took it all for yourself, I was rejected Oh, how do I pick myself back up again? I'm heading to L.A. to make a Christmas record I'm gonna sing my very favorite Christmas songs The ones where everybody sings along I'm gonna write a new score, walk through a new door Cause it's really been a pleasure But once a year I'm feeling bright and dandy Oh, to heck with it all, you're forgiven once more Please pass the Christmas brandy How do I get in the mood to sing a holiday song in September? Oh, there's only one thing that I can do That's to live joyfully and forget about you Cause I'm heading to L.A. to make a Christmas record Once upon a snowy day I spied a fella looking my way His eyes were twinkling as sweet as can be Well, it tickled me
is Lisa Bialis from her brand new release, and we got Lisa on the line right now. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Hey, Rich, I'm doing great. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm, I'm hanging in here, trying to stay away <laughs> from the COVID. You know what I mean? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, now, you've been on the show before, but, you know, we always like to give our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are, not only as an artist, but as a person. And the best way to do that is take a look at your journey, how you got to where you are today. So let's start off by giving us the story of Lisa Bialis. Well, I uh, grew up in a musical family. My mother was a singer, and my father played upright bass in a Dixieland band, and my brother played drums and guitar. And so I was always singing around the house, like from a very young age, a really young girl, just singing everything that I I could, all the um, cartoons on TV, all the commercials, you know, I knew all the songs. And uh, I was also listening to the music that my mother was singing, Jazz Standard. And she loved Ella Fitzgerald and Lena Horne. And uh, my dad played Dixieland jazz music, so I had a big uh, dose of that as a child. And then my brother is 10 years older than me, so, you know, he introduced me to Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles. And, and that's how I learned to play the guitar, was my brother taught me a few chords, and I pestered him to death to learn more and he finally gave me his Beatles songbooks he goes here the little chord charts are above it you'll get it (laughs) (laughs) he was tired of me pestering him so uh, that just sort of started my love of uh, playing the guitar and singing a great song and I immediately started writing as soon as I learned more than three or four chords I immediately started writing music okay now um, let's talk a little bit about this new release Um, Mm mm-hmm now, this is kind of an unusual, well, not really unusual, but uh, tell me a little bit about what was the inspiration that brought this into being? Well, I just love Christmas music, and I had thought so many times, oh, it would be so fun to record a Christmas album, you know, and whenever I'd mention it, somebody'd say, oh, are you going to do this song or that song or this song? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't know. And then, you know, it went away, went away, and then... Boy, I in the middle of the summer, I called Tony Bronigal, and we were just chatting, we were catching up, and I just blurted out, you know, I always kind of wanted to do a Christmas album. And he said, oh my gosh, me too, I was just talking about that, I would love to do a Christmas album, let's do it. And I said, really? He said, yes, I'm so excited, I would love to do a Christmas album. I'm like, me too! So just getting that together made me think, uh, you know, talking to Tony got me inspired to... Um, do the album and okay. I was happy so I wrote you know and then I'm like okay I'm going to check out I'm going to decide what songs I want to do and as I was looking at all the tunes that I usually sing at Christmas I do a lot of shows at Christmas time I thought well I'm going to have to write I'm going to have to write a couple tunes for this album I can't just have it be all and then once I got writing uh, it just kind of exploded from there but in the beginning I had written one song and I was like oh my gosh what was I thinking I'm going to have to call Tony and tell him this was a dumb idea so I call him and I'm like Tony I'm having second thoughts he goes no wait a minute wait a minute no 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 you're not he said I've got some ideas and I'm going to I'm going to send them to you 
He said, don't, don't, don't talk like that. Don't even think like that. I'm going to send you some ideas. <laughs> so the next day I got <laughs> the funniest and the most delightful email. Uh, voice uh, message by text from Tony and he was singing oh the boy I met the boy I met <laughs> the boy I met for Christmas and then I hear him kind of fade out and he does a little snort and I'm thinking he's sleeping he said he came up with it in a dream in the middle of the night and, and recorded it and the next morning he sent it to me I'm just cracking up <laughs> so I just love that, and it got me going. I saw the whole story of the song just unfolded before me, and that started Tony and I working together back and forth on all of these songs, and it really was the most joyful thing I've ever done, really. It's the most joyful recording sessions, funnest albums. It's been so fun. Wow. Now, let's talk a little bit about your process as a songwriter, because I think that I find very interesting, how different musicians and songwriters approach the craft mm -hmm. of songwriting. When you sit down to begin that process, what is your mechanism that helps you tap into the muse? Well, usually I start with, well, how am I feeling right now and what's going on? You know, so that... Um, that is a big start. And then I just sort of start writing down things that come into my mind. And actually, the first tune I wrote was a Christmas record. And the first line is, how do I get in the mood to sing a holiday song in September? I was lamenting. It's like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this, you know? And uh, so I turned it into something really fun and saying that, well, I know, I'll have my fun. I'm going to L.A. to record a Christmas record. Heck yes, you know, this is going to be fun. But that, so that process also uh, is like there's a little critic that lives inside of all of us. Mm -hmm. And I've so many songwriters this. I've told them, I've told so many songwriters this. One, however you write the song is the right way to do it. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And two, you're, t you're telling the story of your, the song in your words the way you see it. And that's right. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the perfect way to do it. It's the only way to do it. And then the third advice, and I took this advice for myself, is I tell uh, people to get a cup of tea and sit it on the edge of the table. And when your inner critic starts nagging you, just say, hey, that tea's there for you. Leave me alone. I'm going to write this all down. Because once we start editing when we're writing, we've lost that, the magic of the writing or, or the feeling of the story that's going in. You can get right back to it, but you can, you know, kind of beat yourself up with that little critic and just really do great harm to a great song. <laughs> oh, yeah. So these songs... Yeah, so these songs, I sort of took my own advice, and I wrote everything down, and when I got them done, you know, I looked back at them, and I changed a few lines here and there, and Tony worked with them, and I, you know, added, okay, a bridge, okay, but it was all so easy, and it wasn't, I didn't really toil over it, it's just the, the original feelings and thoughts that came is what, is what you hear. Okay. Now, um... You know, a, a lot of songwriters have embraced the technology and, and some tools that have been brought to us uh, through technology, like the cell phone, the capture ideas, or home recording studio. What are some of the tools you've found to be indispensable to you as a writer? A paper and pencil. I have one at all times. There's one in the car, one by my bed, there's one in my purse. I still love the paper and pencil. However, I have 
you know, come along to the 21st century here. I do have a little recording device on my phone, and that's been uh, really wonderful, too. And um, I journal a lot. So when I go to writing, um, I'll go back and look at, you know, if I'm stuck, like, oh, I need another, I need another um, a verse. So I'll go back and look at some of the through some of my journals and like oh that totally relates to this song so you know so i always have ideas floating around and try to capture them and song you know i have the the tune uh lulu magoo that first line has i've had this little dog for five years and that first line has gone through my head over every time we walk her name is lulu magoo she unconditionally adores you i have set sang that over and over and over and then I finally, when it came to recording the album, was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this song. I think it should be a Christmas album. Okay, it sounds it Christmassy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Now, um, one of the things I think uh, a lot of songwriters get tripped up on are is that moment where you have to stop and put the pen down and allow the song to go to that next phase of its life, you know, by giving it to the producer and the, and the band and let them put their mm-hmm. fingerprints on it. But you got to get to that mm-hmm. point. Um, what do you do? What is your quantifier that helps you determine when a song is ready to move on to that next phase? You know, it's just a feeling. It has to feel right to me, you know. So when I when it feels right, it's, it's I've got everything in order on the page, then yeah. That's when. <laughs> okay. All right, that's fair enough. Now, um let's talk a little bit um about um, one of the things that I think a lot of uh, people have on their minds, and the SAG after um, strike kind of brought this to the forefront, is this whole world of artificial intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's going it's here. It's going to affect all of our lives in a wide variety of things. Some good, some bad. Um, mm-hmm. But in the music industry, there are AI tools to help help with lyrics. There are AI tools that help you create uh, chord structures and melodies and and beats mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and you know these tools. Um, you know, even Ed Sheeran in an interview said that he's utilized some of these lyric tools as idea generators. What do you mm-hmm. see the impact of of AI being on the music industry as we move forward? Wow. Well, a lot of people are going to be writing songs who probably wouldn't have otherwise. I suppose. Um. I, you know, I haven't used AI. I know what it is. I, I, I understand what's going on. But I, I, um, I don't know. I think it's going to have an impact. Yeah. I, I don't know. I can't foresee what it's going to be. Um, but, you know, I, I read something the other day and I thought, hmm, that's, that's a lot of big words there. I wonder if that person wrote that or if that was an AI. You know, so it makes me wonder sometimes. Okay things but um yeah what do you think well you know i have i am of a certain age where i remember when the drum machine first hit the scene (laughs) and and you know the whole industry was in an uproar 
where they said you're going to take the human, you know, element out of music. How dare you use, you know, a, a, a machine to, you know, create drum parts. Uh, and now it's an everyday occurrence. You know, I remember mm-hmm. when MIDI first came on the scene. Oh, my God. The Broadway pit musicians were in an uproar. The musicians union, you know, where you mm-hmm. can, you know, program a whole orchestra in a computer and spit right. it back out. And, you yeah. know, everyone was one, you know, oh, my God, they're going to take our jobs away. They're taking human and, you know, the human element out of music. And, you know, yeah. for a little while in the 70s, the late 70s, during that whole disco era, you know, producers were able to create music um Without having musical knowledge, you know what I mean? They were able to use and sequence up these synthesizers to create, you know, dance music and so on and so forth. And as time went on, you know, the musicians got a hold of the technology. They realized the 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 power that it had and they put the human element back into the music. I think that AI is going to become, initially, there are going to be people that are going to utilize it as a replacement, but it's not going to last. It's still going to be, once it's put in the hands of musicians and creatives, they're Mm -hmm. going to be able to put that human emotion, that element back into that music and utilize it more as a creative tool than it is a replacement. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. I think you're right. We have some fear over it now, but, you know, in the long run, it could be really great. You know, I've gone on to, you know, sites like Bored Human and used their lyric generator. And, and you know, you <laughs> you put something in, it spits out this, this lyric complete with verses, choruses, pre-choruses, bridges. I mean, everything. Oh, really? oh yeah, it's oh. insane. And you look at it and you say, okay, there are some diamonds in the rough here. There are mm-hmm. some ideas that you can utilize. And, you know, if you really think about it, as songwriters, we constantly are listening to conversations and picking yeah. up on turns of phrases and and right, things right. that inspire us to kind of write it down and say, ooh, that's a cool idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, we, we, we see a meme on, on the internet and they say, wow, that's a cool turn of phrase. I like that. And you write it down. So mm-hmm. where you get your inspiration just expanded other than contracting you're you're able to kind of you know if you got a blank page in front of you you can say okay i'm I'm thinking of writing about this and i'd like to you know do it in this style and you put it into the generator and out comes these lyrics and you say oh i like this line uh oh that's a nice line oh i like the way they kind of and you know you just kind of pick and choose and say oh that's an inspiration you got eight songs in there you know that you can possibly make so you know it's i look at it as as tools you know in the future yeah i think it could be a good tool yeah oh yeah without a doubt it's like, it's like uh, 
it's like it would take the place of all my journals. I could just go to the yeah, AI. There you go. <laughs> just go to AI. Now, um, one of the things um, that, you know, once you write a song, that's kind of only half the battle. Uh, the other half yeah. is going into the studio and creating that sound that not only identifies you as an artist, but gives the song its life, its breath, its feel, its vibe. And every artist has their way of working in that environment to capture the sound they're looking for. When you get into the studio, and I know you work with Tony, and he's an amazing producer and and engineer, but Mm -hmm. what is your process? What do you like to do to capture the sound you're looking for? Well, I just want to say, yes, I love working with Tony Bronigal, and he gets it all together and gets the most fabulous musicians together. So Tony was on drums, and Johnny Lee Dell was on guitar, and um, Chuck Berghoffer and David Carpenter were playing bass. And I I like recording the song with the, the guitar, bass, and drums, and vocals, just straight up. Just straight up it. from the Everybody floor, yeah. Does. Yeah, so we get a feel for each other. We're sort of in the same room. We're isolated, but we can see each other and, uh, you know, get a feel for the song. And really, we didn't do that many takes. It just, the, the guys are so incredible. And just, we all just sort of clicked in. Well, this was my second time re- uh, experience with Tony. So I was very comfortable this time. I knew exactly what to expect. And uh, everything went beautifully. Okay. But I like doing it. It is possible, yeah. Now, uh, mm-hmm. of course, once you get this recorded, you have to get it out to, you know, radio and press. And you're working with Karen Leipinger uh, for your PR and radio. Tell me about that relationship. Oh, Karen Leipziger has been so wonderful. She's helped me through this whole process of where to go, when to do it, timelines. Um, yeah, so she has send it out, you know, for publicity and promo, and I've gotten some really nice reviews, which is great. And, uh, you know, some people are looking at it that, you know, I couldn't have, you know, I don't have those connections, and she has so many connections from her long career in blues, and, you know, she's just such a great gal and a wonderful talent, and, and uh, yeah, we were having a great time working together. So, really important to have a somebody promoting the album, um, to other than radio and Michelle Castilla is doing my radio so oh, okay you know um, so it's uh, and I learned that from working with E.G. Kite on my first uh, blues album he said well you gotta have a public somebody publicize it and you gotta have a radio I'm like okay okay <laughs> <laughs> and for that I had uh, done it all myself I was working kind of in the folk genre and I would send uh, the CDs myself and do my own promo and send it to magazines and you know so I knew yeah you're right somebody else needs to pick this up and do this because it's it's a lot of work to get an album out to the world oh yeah without a doubt now Mm -hmm. um Let's talk a little bit about the music industry and what's happening out there. You know, and and I talk to a lot of musicians. I talk to a lot of young musicians. And I think a lot of them have um, really don't understand the concept of what success is. 
how would you define success in the industry? What, what, what is your um, definition of being successful in the music industry? Well, my idea, idea has changed over time. I, I like having time at home now more than I ever have. And so being successful is being able to play the shows I'd like to play and, and uh, being able to record an album and get it out there. I mean, to me, that's successful for me. And everybody else is going to have a, a different story. Um, but I, that makes me happy. Um, and to have, you know, a room full of people, a theater full of people come to my shows, that makes me happy. And that, to me, is successful. Um, I don't think I'd want to go be any more successful. I certainly would not want to be famous. I, I love flying under the radar. Um, I, I, I think it would be really hard to be, um, you know, in the public eye as uh, some of my peers are. So, um, yeah, I think I've made it. I've, people have asked me that so many, more, more times than once. That have said, don't you wish you could make it or whatever. I'm like, I've made it. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I mean, I couldn't be happier. You know, yeah. If you could pay your bills and and be happy with the amount of work you're doing, um, then you've you're successful. You you've made success. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I think the the elephant in the room, especially for us as independent artists, is the fact that the consumer today has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. And it's a double-edged sword for us as indie artists, um, you know, because, number one, we, we have access to this huge potential market of fans that we could get our music to very easily because it's out there. Um, on the other side of that sword... Um, we're not really getting compensated fairly for the content that we put up there. Um, and the fact that consumers now no longer look at recorded music as something to purchase. It's no longer a product. It's now a service. They expect yeah. it on their phone. They expect it for free. They're consuming yeah. more, paying less, Um and you know, and I have to say, as as someone who grew up during the vinyl era, I have purchased yeah. my music on vinyl, eight track, cassette, CD downloads. I'm getting tired. Um, <laughs> you know, for ten, fifteen dollars yeah. a month, I now have access to everything that's been recorded in the last hundred years. But my yeah. question to you is. How has this shift in perception by the consumer affected you as an artist? Well, it's kind of sad. I used to sell way more albums, way more CDs, uh, you know, and then long ago, tapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I used to sell more. People are just, they're like, you know, I'll get it on my, you, you have it on iTunes? Yes, it's on all the platforms. You have it on this? You have it on, yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, people aren't buying it as much. It's like, I don't even have a CD player in my car anymore. I don't even have that com- old computer. I have a new one now. I don't have a... Yeah, so it's sad. Um, but, yeah, people are getting it digitally. And, uh, you know, there are... You know, I do sell... Well, at my shows, there are still people that buy CDs. And they want... Some people want vinyl. I do have one album on vinyl. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of sad that that's going away. 
Well, you know, it, it's event. It's it's just a matter of time before the CD is gone because. Like mm-hmm. you said, you can't get them in a new car. You can't get them in a new computer. You can't go to Best Buy and buy a CD player anymore. You have to go to a oh. thrift store um, to find CD players. And once the hardware is gone, that software is not too far behind. Um, so it's just a matter of time. And, of course, vinyl, yeah. you know, that's a great collector's item. And nobody's running home and throwing it on a turntable. They take the vinyl. They look at the pretty picture. They, you, you get to sign it. And they're going to stream it on the way home, you know, while they're driving. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, we have to start looking at how do we monetize how do we create revenue streams from what we're handed right now um Mm -hmm. the guy who owns uh spotify this guy elk um they they just came out with an article that he's worth four billion dollars now if you think about it he's got more money right now than paul mccartney yet he's never written a single song yet all of that money he's generated has got has been on the back of songwriters and musicians and singers and performers so you know it it really is um a, a dynamic that shouldn't exist. There's no reason for this one person to profit so uh, dramatically from the content that we put up. Especially if you think about it as indie artists, which, by the way, we make up the bulk of their content. Mm-hmm. Right. The way it is structured, it's not sustainable as a business model. We can't continue to create content and not keep and and not able to um, even break even. Even if we had a hit, we would not be able to break even from the streaming revenue. So something needs to change this dynamic. Now. There is some light at the end of this tunnel. If you look at the digital revolution in a timeline, the one thing that you'll notice is that every five or six years, whatever company is dominating the music industry gets replaced. Mm -hmm. LimeWire was replaced by Napster. Everyone thought Napster was just going to be around forever. No one can stop it. We're rebels, we're pirates, we're whatever. And along comes Apple with iTunes and the 99 cent downloads. And wow, we have this magical device called an iPod where you can put thousands of songs on it and take it with you. Ooh, what a concept. Now... Everyone was, you know, saying, oh, Apple owns the music industry. They'll be round forever. And along comes Spotify. All those iPods are sitting in the kitchen uh, junk drawer collecting dust. You know, so now Spotify, oh, my God, this is going to be around forever. Not if you look at the history. It's eventually going to get replaced. The question is... Well... I've been keeping an eye on this, and I've been watching some of this new technology. There are streaming platforms that have been developed that utilize the same 
software technology that uh, cryptocurrency uses. It's called the blockchain. Now, you can embed digital applications and smart contracts into this blockchain, and they can't be changed. One of the great advantages of the blockchain is that it is decentralized. In other words, no person or company can own the service. The streaming service itself is owned by the fans that pay for it and the artists who put up their content. They own the service. The, uh, they're saying that it takes 20% of the incoming revenue to run the network. Almost like, you know, how they, they mine cryptocurrency, where they, they secure it with these all these little mining kind of operations. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with, with this these streaming services. And that means if it only takes 20% to run the network, the other 80% gets funneled directly back to the artists that create the content. Which mm-hmm. is... Right now, you have Audius, which is right now you can go on your phone and get an Audius player and put your music up there right today. It doesn't cost anything to get it up there. And as soon as your music is on Audius, it automatically becomes available on uh, TikTok. They've already got that, that deal set up. So it's it's very interesting how this new technology is really poised to change how the industry works and how mm. the 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 monies are distributed it takes that all those third parties out of the equation and it becomes more of a direct relationship between artists and fans you know what do you think of well, that as a as a potential well it sounds good it's interesting i like the way that's going well, if you think that's interesting, there's a site called Royal.io. Now, there's a few of them like this. This is not the only one. But this one I'm watching only because I've seen a couple artists that have utilized this to some really amazing success. What this site allows you to do is to create these NFTs, these non-fungible tokens that represent a small portion of either your streaming or your publishing royalties. Now, Nas, the rap artist, did this. And he took two songs off his last release, made enough of these NFTs to represent one half of the streaming royalties on these two songs sold it to his fan base, was able to generate almost 600000 in upfront income. He now had over 3,000 fans that had an economic interest in making sure his music is streamed because they're going to get paid on the streaming royalties. On top of that, these things are bought and sold on the open market. So if I bought an NFT, let's say I made a little bit and somebody offered me a little bit more money for it than I paid for it, and I sell it to him, Nas gets a commission of that resale in perpetuity, forever. So it's it's this continuous uh, revenue generator, even after the initial sale. It's almost like buying stock 
in a song that you like. And investing in an artist on a on an economic level, rather than like Patreon, where you give an artist X amount of dollars, you may get a CD, you may get a, a T-shirt, a hat. This, you invest in an artist and you have an economic return. I mean, think about it. Could you imagine if this was available back in, you know, when I was younger and I could invest it in, you know, Let It Be or Come Together, one of the Beatles catalogs, you know, songs. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be sitting here talking to you right now. I'd be on a beach drinking a Mai Tai. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, what do you think of that as a potential for the future? Well, you have given me so much to think about here and so much to research, and you could give a workshop on this. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I do articles on, on the magazine, makingascene.org, so I have articles on all of these, all of this technology. And, you know, it's it's amazing if you really dig into what's happening next, the biggest thing that we need to understand that as independent artists we need to make sure we get a seat at the table while this while this technology is in its infancy we need to be there before the corporations start realizing (laughs) hey we need to take control no you can't have control because we already have that we got the control So I, you know, I would encourage everyone to participate in these technologies while they're in its beginning stages. So we have that seat at the table. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You've given me a lot to think about here. No, that's 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 kind of the idea. Uh, Now, uh, before the pandemic hit. You know, content creation and social media marketing was important. But once we hit the pandemic, it accelerated that whole world because that was the only way that we could stay connected to our fans. Uh, that was the only way that we can get our, our music out, our branding out. And, you know, initially, you know, a lot of artists went up. They started to do live streams up a tip jar you know then they got a little better at it and then when the months turned into years that content started to get a little more personal they started to give content that showed you know their their hobbies um their their families their kids their pets their barnyard animals their excursions (laughs) uh you know the things they did when you know they were on lockdown you know or you know they would go up and just bitch you know uh, whatever it may be um and this whole world of content the fans really got acclimated to it they really almost like a reality show kind of mentality which if you think about it our fan base have been kind of bombarded with this kind of content over the last 30 years you know from the kardashians to the american idol to the voice to the you know i mean you go to flip the channels and you can't not hit a reality show at any given time of the day you know so Mm -hmm. that kind of content is important and that short form content is really become 
uh, part and parcel of our of our culture today. Uh, right. I know my wife sits down every night before she goes to bed, gets on her phone, and scrolls through puppies, babies, and kittens. You know. <laughs> And you want to go to bed feeling happy. Yeah, you want to have a smile on your face. So puppies, babies, and kittens, and that's what she does for at least a good hour. And then she's ready to go to sleep. But it's part of our mentality. And my question is, um, what are you doing utilizing content and social media to help advance your brand and to get the word out on this release? Oh, well, I have done so much fun with this. I've created four music videos to go with the um, with the album. Four of the tunes from the album we've recorded uh, and done a video. Two of the videos have gone out already. Christmas Record went out in September. Um, and Blue Boo Magoo, or um, no, that's not it. Uh, the Boy I Met for Christmas went out uh, just this month, and then next month, I'm not going to tell you, but we're having another music video. And then in December, we're having the fourth music video. So I've created this whole campaign and recorded all these videos. And uh, so far, people are really liking it. It's really a lot of fun. And I've been letting my fan base know by email. I have like uh, like 2,500 people that I notify. That's industry, friends, fans, and, and other people. Um, that just sign up, you know, so I guess that would be a fan category. So they're finding out what I've got going on, and then, you know, all this stuff ends up on my website and on YouTube, so it can always be seen. So um, that's what I'm doing, trying to post a little bit on uh, Facebook and Instagram to let folks know what's going on. Okay. That sounds good. Now... I always have a great time talking with you, and, and, and I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. And um, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. Get your Christmas hat on and put on the jingles. Because uh, we And turn it up loud. The hell with the neighbors. If they ain't in the Christmas spirit, we'll put them there. And we're going to just turn it up loud.
the Herald Angels Singing just for me I'm gonna light a Christmas candle I'm gonna pour a little bubbly I'm gonna camp out by the window Wait for Santa Claus Hey, I think I see Rudolph With his bright and shiny nose Well, it's Christmas time, no baby Christmas time is here Well, my heart's full of joy And my head is full of Christmas cheer Yeah, it's 
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
slammed the door behind me Caught me tipping his son's piggy bank Kid don't need damn clothes Like I need myself a drink Will I be for Christmas, girl? With my very own kind of snow Will I be for Christmas? Well, it's starting to be clear Burned a few too many bridges So I'll be sitting alone right here
they may never come, I'll call upon you to do a service for me. But uh, until that day, accept this justice as a gift on my daughter's wedding day. When I was a little boy Watching my daddy Playing his guitar Everywhere we went People seemed to know his name I wonder how He got so much fame So much fame Passing on down Passing on down Passing on down, down, passing on down, down, sing like you, let like you, do the things that you do. Now Chris, you're my only son, I'm so proud of all the things you've done, I've been playing for many, many years I got many, many, many years to go There's one thing I want you to do for me, son Pass it on down Pass it on down Pass it on down Pass it on down Continue to keep the blues alive, son. 
choice, Dad. It's in my blood. Pass it on down, son. Pass it on down, son. Pass it on down, son. I guess there just aren't enough rocks.
give us 29 songs it was enough never was a number 39 that I knew of you gotta do it for yourself that's what Robert would have told you Only one thing to know 
you very, very much. Our good friend Ryan Taylor wrote that tune.
wasn't a big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always.
Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. like this. shows, curl up in a duvet, maybe even draw up a bath and see where the night takes you. That sounds real nice.
life is filled Hardship and pain It's a waste of time To complain Just grit your teeth Peace. 
Chicago's my town Let's all get it on in Chicago We're the center of attraction Getting so much reaction in Chicago Chicago's doing it to me Never lose my energy We got the lake up front With O'Hare at our back door Chicago's doing it to me Never lose my energy Never lose my energy I'm happy here as I can be It's the right place for me to stay It's Chicago, I'm proud to say We're busy nine to five And jamming the night away in Chicago We got music in the air and fine dining everywhere in Chicago Chicago's doing it to me Never lose my energy Tell me about it, Ryan You acting so surprised 
Till it's flooding through your veins 
And the wind can howl just like a hurricane Sometimes we go Running back for home But home is just a feeling and not a place And if you feel untethered We can tie ourselves to the same tree Or both disappear without a trace And your head can fill with rain Till it's flooding through your veins And the wind can howl just like a hurricane That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on the show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Doctor things left home with my friend. I gone, lost my dog, I'm alone. Just fought somebody. And he found it funny. I got knocked in the head, man, by old friends. I lie here, think I'm dead. Drain so